Hey, ¿qué pasa, Calexico? Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, like always, before we begin, I want to thank a couple of people. I want to thank my anchor sponsors. I want to thank Camilo, Sergio, Jake. Thank you guys for sponsoring the podcast. Also, want to thank Dance on Border. Um, if you have uh, any small dance on your car, make sure you follow them on Facebook. I'll leave the link to their Facebook page. Also, want to thank Sergio's Tacos and Hot Dogs, serving the Imperial Valley for over eight years with Mexicali-style hot dogs and tacos. Also, want to thank Dylan Castillo from Castillo Bookkeeping. And David Gostellum, if you're thinking of buying or selling a home in the Imperial or San Diego counties, make sure you contact David. His phone number is 760-235-9576. Um, also, like like I've been doing these last episodes, I want to shout out a local uh, business. You know, our local businesses need our help right now. Um, so today I want to shout out um, 111 Club Bar in Calexico. Um, it was before Las Chavelas 111 and everybody knows you know, 111 on Imperial. So, you know where it's at, you know, they have a new name, new owner and they're open now. They're serving, um, some really delicious ceviches. So, and other, you know, mariscos and stuff. So make sure you, um, visit them. They have a Instagram page. I'll leave their link below. Um, but yeah, let's help our local businesses, you know, go through these hard times. So with that, um, I want to welcome my guest today. Um, my guest today is a city council member from El Centro. He's also a uh, professor at IVC. My guest today is Tomas Oliva. Thank you for being here today. Hello, sir. Thank you for having me. Um, before we get into the meat and potatoes as to why I uh, wanted to talk to you today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, so uh, I live in El Centro. Uh, graduated uh, here locally. When, uh, the only reason why I left was to go and study. Uh, I have my bachelor's public law from UC San Diego, my master's in public administration from San Diego State. Uh, I've been in politics for 13 years now, uh, serving as a staffer from the attorney general's office to the state assembly. My day job, I represent uh, the congressman of this area, Juan Vargas. And so uh, uh, technically I have three jobs. So I, I do federal oversight during the day, uh, city council by night, and then at the very, very night, I teach uh, in uh, IVC. So I, I like to stay busy. Yeah, that's that's good. Especially, uh, you know, during these times where there's a lot of things going, you know, staying busy is is uh, kind of good. It's I, important I, for mental health. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Boredom can can hurt. Exactly. Um, so uh, I want to talk to you today because, um, you know, me and you have something in common. Um, we are mm -hmm. part of the uh, COVID-19 trial uh, program that's going on here in El Centro. Um, that's right. The way I found out about it was um, I saw a Facebook uh, notification that uh, the city of El Centro was having a, a presentation and it was when, you know, the presentation <clears throat> for the COVID-19. Um, mm -hmm. And <clears throat> well, I was, I was watching the, the, the live stream and then afterwards I visited the website and I was like kind of like thinking about, you know, should I try it or not? Especially because, um, you know, I've been following the, I mean, since day one, um, I have, I have um, high blood pressure and sleep apnea. So, like, I've, I'm high risk if I would get uh, the disease. Mm -hmm. So, like, I've been really, really trying to be careful. And I was um, following all these vaccines and, and, and antibodies and all these. And something, something that I found um, that was in common was, you know, how Hispanics and African-Americans are one of the most affected by the, by the COVID-19. But at the same time, there's a lot of people that aren't from our, um, you know, Hispanics or Mexicans or African-Americans being part of this trial because, I don't know, do you think it's because uh, as Hispanics, we're a little bit afraid of new medicine or what are your thoughts on? on I think culturally, um, 
you know, there's always that stereotype of like, no, pa' que voy el doctor, nomás me va a decir que estoy malo, like, es mejor no saber, right? Like, I don't want to know. Maybe there's some, some truth to that, but there, there is there is a legitimate sense of hesitation and concern when it comes to a vaccination because we're trying it out and it's it's not it doesn't have that green light seal of approval on it that that it would be mass produced this is on a volunteer basis they're still trying it out and so it really takes uh, you know a certain type of person with certain circumstances that's able and willing to do it to participate and so it's 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 not for everyone because it's it's it hasn't been tried and tested yet, and that's what we're doing. We're testing it. Yeah, and and I mean, I might say a little bit cornier, or or I don't know, um, kind of dumb. But when I saw your, because I, I, you know, I, like I said, I was watching the live stream, and then I went to their website. I got home, and I was on Instagram, and I saw you actually taking the shot, and oh, I was yeah. like, um, well, I mean, if he's taking it, um, why why not me, right? What what kind of made you decide to to take it? Well, if, if, first of all, if you don't mind me saying, I, I was a little shocked and, and humbled that there was a lot of people that saw that I did it and either did it themselves and didn't tell me or called me and told me, I saw that you did it. I'm going to do it too. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy and I'm proud of that because one of the things that I've always wanted to do being in office is I wanted to be the type of person that people trust. And I wanted to earn it and I wanted to honor that trust uh, because I think it's important so that when I do something like this, people know that I've thought about it and that I know what I was doing. So why did I do it? I have to say when, again, I, I've been in politics for a long time, but I've always been the guy sitting in the audience. I was always the staff member, right? And so I remember in many years, I would sit out into the audience looking up at elected officials and think to myself, why aren't you doing this? Like, you're asking me to do it. Why aren't you, why aren't you doing it? Right. So now that I'm up there, I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten that perspective. So I thought to myself, well, one of us needs to do it because if we're asking people to do it, one of us should. And to be quite honest, as I looked over to my colleagues, you know, they all have spouses, they have children, um, they, they might have other family members, older family members that live in their household. And I thought my circumstance is different. I'm single. I don't have children. Uh, and so if I were to be impacted by it and I needed to quarantine, it would be easier for me to do that. You know, if I needed to be separated from somebody for two weeks, I could do that. So I just kind of didn't want to necessarily put it on them but be honest to myself that if any one of us could do it and, and should there be a struggle that I would be okay, it should be me. And so I just, that's why I measured everything. And, you know, I texted um, someone who's very special to me and I asked her like, would you mind if I participated in this? And the funny thing, her response was hilarious. She said, Nope, your body, your choice. <laughs> I, I was like, okay. <laughs> and then there were, that's all I need to know. Let's go do it. Yeah, my wife was kind of shocked because like two weeks before that, I had taken my flu shot and I was kind of like iffy about it. You know, like, oh, should I take my flu shot? Like, um, I don't know. Like, I, I normally when I get sick, I don't take um, like especially with the cold. I don't take um, over the counter stuff or okay, yeah. because I was like, you know, uh, I'll just drink water and, and vitamin C. Wait and, it out. Yeah. yeah like, wait it out. especially for a cold, I feel that, you know, 
just my body will naturally get rid of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so like like big things like this, um, I'll, you know, sometimes I'm iffy about it. But yeah, like like I said, I had been really careful about, um, you know, taking care of myself, taking care of my family, um, and you know, I felt like I was doing my part in that sense. But I was like, you know, maybe I could do a little bit more. And and you know, when I went there, um, did you get to read all like? Because when I went there, you know, they put me in, my room, in a room, and then you get to read all the um documentation the waivers and the declarations and all that stuff yeah yeah so like i mean reading through it talking to the doctor um and then just you know the fact that they reiterate the fact that whenever you want to you know stop this you're more free to, more than free to you know quit the trial um mm-hmm. you know that kind of made me um a little bit more um comfortable in the sense of taking the the the, the vaccine i don't even th- yeah. i don't even think my parents know that i Take, uh, took the vaccine i think my wife and you know a couple of other family members know but w- w- what are your does, does your family think about it uh my mom uh, so i told my dad uh and i think maybe my dad found out because of the post <laughs> on facebook or something but my mom found out my uh my and my mom was like the same thing that maybe perhaps you and others did she said i know you think about things Thomas, and you wouldn't just dive head first so if you're going to do it then then it could be okay and even my mom wants to do it and um and i just said you know what mom like it it'll throw you off my mom's a teacher right now and i said if if i had to ask for days off it's easier for me you're not so much in that position to be asking for days off because with um with distance learning how are you going to get a substitute for your students i just said just really think about it ultimately my mom will do whatever she wants to do but my sisters, my, especially my older sister, who's a registered nurse in Colorado, she called me concerned. Are you okay? You know, how are you feeling? I'm like, I'm fine. I, I'm good. You know, but they, yeah, they, they were a little concerned. And I think it's because the general public uh, has a preconceived notion of the vaccine and like in what stage it's in. And um, because of, or, and, you know, and, and there's a sprinkle of politics in there too, right? Um, and whether you absolutely trust this administration or you have complete distrust with this administration, uh, that might actually influence your your viewpoint on this. But uh, I, I had done my homework and and I trust the doctors in, in the ECRMC, uh, Dr. Tomachowski and uh, Dr. Edward. So, and because we're, we're associated with UC San Diego and that's where I went to school with, like, I know that they're not playing politics with this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's the fact that, it, you know, he was wearing his coat and he had the UC San Diego um, logo. And, you know, you, f- you feel like comfortable with the fact that, you know, you know, he's a doctor. And right. I mean, there's I mean, you feel that doctors and scientists aren't aren't, you know, pol- political, politically driven. So you kind of feel safe in that sense. Did you get any right. um any side effects from it? Like, did you feel drowsy or? um? maybe just a little tired i know that my arm was sore it was like really tender like if i raised it about that level or higher it it would start to hurt but um it didn't it didn't knock me out it didn't throw me off my game and i have like a like an exercise routine in the morning so i told the doctor that if if i wake up tomorrow not being able to do it i know you you probably gave me the real stuff but if i'm able to do it you probably gave me the placebo and he says well i mean that's one way of looking at it, but I really couldn't tell you, you know? And so he's like, I, you could take it and it could 
mean nothing, right? Like there's people who say they take the flu shot y como si nada, it doesn't affect them. And then there's other people that are like, oh my God, I was nauseous for like a day. So we each react differently. And that's also part of the trial. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I did notice um, that night that I took it, I did have a little bit of body aches, um, no temperature, but just body aches. And even till the next day, um, probably like midday, I was still feeling like my body was aching. And like you, my arm was sore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, I don't know. And, and it's for, for the people that don't really know much about, you know, the trial is like you either get a placebo or you get the real shot. Um, neither you, you or the doctor know what you got. So. Right, right. It's random. The computer generates it. Right. And you have a one in third chance that you'll get the placebo two of three chances that you'll actually get the the actual vaccine. And so it's a toss up. And that's why I say that I think I got the placebo. I mean, I don't know, to be honest, though. Yeah. And how many do you know how many people they're, they're doing the trial on? No, I don't. But I think the this company in particular is is hoping to do 30,000 uh, trials or volunteers. I think here in the Valley, I'm not sure if it's between the Valley and San Diego, but uh, I remember reading in that uh, that iPad that they gave us, right, that of 30,000, 20,000 were going to get the vaccine, 10,000 were going to get a placebo. It's randomized, but with 30,000, they would be able to reach, you know, statistically significant data in order to generalize and assume if this vaccine strain, right, if this uh, protein combination that they have is good enough for the general public. Okay. Um, do you do you have any information of um, how long they're go- they're planning on on doing the trial? Like, um, how long are they going to be taking people in? Uh, no, I think it's until they reach that amount. And depending on when you start, I think it's like a two month monitoring time where you know they once you sign all the waivers and the you know the things that you have to sign, they will administer the vaccine, they take your blood, no backwards, they take your blood, they do the COVID test, and then they hit you, you put the vaccine. And then two weeks later, you go in, they draw blood, and and then they do the COVID test. And then two weeks after that, which is a full month from the first visit, you get a booster shot. And then from that booster, two months, two weeks later, you go in again, I think they, they draw blood again, COVID test. And then I think after the end of the second month, that's when they they do a complete follow-up. And I think at that point, they don't really need much from you, but they still observe you every once in a while. Yeah. Like they'll call you and like, how are you feeling? Any side effects? Because it's also important to know whether the vaccine causes any long-term side effects that yeah. we just don't know yet. Yeah, I have my... Um... My first follow up next Thursday on the nineteenth. Okay. Um, and yeah, they told me that from then they'll schedule my uh, my booster. Yeah, my booster I think is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. That's what I'm gonna do. And I have to say that the whole reason why all of this is important is because I think there's about five different companies that are developing a vaccine, right? And, you know, I think the one that got the most attention this last week was Pfizer because they came out claiming that their their strain or their formula is is 90% effective. The one that we took, it comes from AstraZeneca. 
And that's another company. And the reason why all this matters is because if there were just one company that were to find, you know, to come with the secret formula that we're all going to use, imagine how long it will take for that one company to create the millions and tens of, and hundreds of millions that we're going to need for our country, let alone for the rest of the world, so that we can get to a point where we can all get it. So um, the good thing is you have many different companies that are coming up with a formula. And should they also be good, that is that means that it would be sooner for all of us here in the Valley to have it uh, and to, you know, California, United States to have it available so that sooner, hopefully, we can get back to a normal life. Mm-hmm. Do you think the Valley was chosen just because of, you know, the high rate of number of, of um, COVID cases we were having? I'm pretty sure that played a factor because even the doctor alluded to the fact that in order to really test the vaccine, uh, you you need it to be exposed to people who potentially could have it to see if it withstands it, right? So obviously you and I, uh, we were injected with something, right? Let's say, let's say I have the placebo and you have the real thing and we're going around living our lives because of the rates of infection are really high in Imperial County the likelihood that you and I would get exposed to someone is higher. So therefore, if through this entire time, right, this entire trial, you never test positive, and let's say they're able to find out that you got the real stuff, then that proves that that's, that the vaccine works. And let's say I got the placebo and somewhere through the entire trial, right, I got exposed and I tested positive, then it proves again that you got the real stuff, I got the placebo, and that's why you didn't test positive and I did, right? So all of that is part of the trial, per my understanding. And and that's why, yeah, I, I would say our rate of infections did play a factor into that decision. Yeah. How how has um, you know, being a city council member and, and you know, the valley, um, especially with COVID affected, you know, the way you kind of um make make decisions because i mean yeah. you know it's it's i understand it's it's really hard to make decision as it is but now with covid you know that you're being a little bit more precautious and and kind of not taking the popular route um how has it affected yeah. you know the way you make decisions as a city council well you know i have to tell you it's it was very difficult in the beginning and it still is difficult because i i don't take the number of people in our hospitals very likely uh whether it's it's correct for me to do this or not i take it personally because i feel that like while i'm in this position it is my responsibility to keep people safe uh, that's that's the whole reason for government it's the whole reason why i think people put me in this position is at the end of the day to keep them safe and i have found it very difficult to do that uh, because as a politician you want to be popular you want to be liked right but many times we've had to make decisions that were not popular, uh, that made us lose supporters, but ultimately was the right thing to do to keep people safe. Um, and it's also very difficult when you have people who choose to ignore safety protocols or choose to you know, not do what we're asking them to do. So I can only do my part. And so I do what people, what I'm asking people to do. I mean, I'm staying home as much as possible. I go out to the store to get groceries. 
I, I, I will go to work, but I'm always wearing my mask. I try not to touch my face. Um, sometimes I'll go to the store with my sunglasses still on because they're prescription and I don't want to be uh, taking stuff on to putting my hands in my face. I have hand sanitizer in the car, in the dining room table, at the office, you know, everything. But I will say that it's difficult because I'll go to Buckland Park and I'll still see people without masks. And when I tell them, they give me this look like, who are you? Stop bothering me. The other day I, w- I went to go pump gas at Costco and the guy behind me was, was driving a truck and I saw him, you know, get off the car, go to the machine, no mask. And so I, I, I'm already at this point, I'm like, okay, here we go. Right. Like, what am I going to say? So I told him, excuse me, sir, please remember to put your mask on. And he gives me this look like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And I thought, see, that's the problem. Por eso estamos como estamos, right? Like, what more can I say to you in order for you to care? And if you don't want to care about you and your family, please care about someone else. And and so I looked over to a couple of pumps away. There was another guy, same thing. So I said, okay, maybe it's because the attendant here is not enforcing the rules. So I walked up to the attendant and the, you know, I told them, Hey, look, I'm, I'm a council member for the city and you need to start telling people. And you know what he told me? And this is the sad part. He said, we do, but now all of the attendees that work at the Costco gas station, um, we we're, we're done. He says, because people yell at us, people get mad. He said, the last person I told to put on the mask said, shut up, leave me alone. Otherwise you're going to get a punch in the face. And I thought, are you kidding? This is the community saying, I don't care about that stuff anymore. While there, there are no ICU beds in our hospital sometimes, right? Where, or, you know, there's, there's a surge in people going into the hospital. Sometimes we'll have like two ICU beds available. Uh, and, and this goes back to the politics that I was talking about earlier um, before we started the show that, you know, you, ha- you can't just think of yourself. This isn't a, oh, I'm being inconvenienced. I don't want to do it. You, you have to say to yourself, I need to do this because even though I don't like it, it might save someone else. And during this entire pandemic, you know, I have two different friends who lost, you know, their mothers. Uh, and, and, and I hear those stories. Maybe because of my position, I hear those stories more than the regular resident. But I do hear them. And I do think that we need to do our part. And so the hardest thing for me is um, to really seize the, the, the authority part of my role and really enforce the rules, whether it makes me popular or not, to tell people, look, if, if you refuse, there is a fine. It's a thousand dollar fine if you don't wear your mask. And I have no problem citing you if you want to ignore it, because my job is, is to protect people. And I do not want us to end up on CNN again. I don't want us to end up on Fox News, on the national news of how we have the highest rate of infection in the entire country again. That should not be what we're known for. Yeah. And it's, I mean, to me, it's crazy the fact that, you know, there's 300, what, 340 some families here in the Valley that lost somebody. I think it's a 343 or 345. Yeah. yeah that lost somebody and still, um, I don't know, it still doesn't resonate with people that the fact that, you know, this is real um, and it's and, you know, it's it's killing people, you know. Um, and I, I mean, I'm fortunate that 
I haven't lost anybody close to me. Um, my brother-in-law got really sick. He was in the hospital. He was really, really sick. Um, but he's okay now. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I haven't, I haven't had that experience, but not because I haven't had it, you know, um, you know, not being careful, not wearing my, my face mask. Um, and, and, and even, I mean, uh, you see people on, on, you know, social media, like whenever they share, you know, the CNN, um, news coverage about the Imperial Valley, like they still say it's not real. You know, I have friends that are, uh, work at the hospital that are like, really like, you know, I see their posts on whether it's Instagram yeah. and, and, or, or Snapchat where they're, you know, having to put all these masks and, and gowns and stuff to be safe and not catch the, the, the virus. And, and it's like, why are people still not, not believing it and, or not being careful or, or, or being offended when you ask them to, you know, put a mask on. It's, 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 I don't know. It's unreal. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've heard the argument where you try to draw a parallel. No one gets mad because first of all, there's an, there's a, a law and there's enforcement about wearing your seatbelt when you're, when you're driving a car, when you're in a car. So very few people, I think in 13 years, I've only heard one person try to argue to me that, that it should be, it shouldn't be, enforced that it's it's a, a violation of their constitutional rights to force them to wear a seatbelt while they're driving a car which to be quite honest is, is not an arguable point of view um but if you believe that if you believe wearing a seatbelt should be you know it's it's something you could do it's not intrusive then just wear your mask it it, it saves you it saves others um if you prefer not to wear it, there's, you know, what I found, there's different types, meaning if you wear the surgical one, at least me personally, when I wear a cloth one, after like an hour, yeah, I, I might have some difficulty breathing. Certainly, it'll fog up my glasses. Yeah. If I do the surgical one, I last longer in the sense of being able to breathe before it actually bothers me. Um, and then I've seen some people with like, you know, that even then they can't. So there's there's some where you can wear a face shield or there's a there's ones where you can wear glasses and the glasses are hooked up to face shields so there's all sorts of things that you could do that the and i think the effort really just shows respect respect that you have towards others and refusing to do anything absolutely anything just shows a lack of respect for others do you think it's uh, uh you know that this whole thing was uh, somehow politicized Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we had, you know, one leader of a political party saying one thing and then one leader of a political party saying something else. And if you associate yourself with either party, you're going to be more inclined to side in that direction. Yeah. And so, you know, it is what it is. But I mean, I, I don't think anybody, again, argues about the seatbelt. So why are we arguing about us? Yeah. And the other thing that, you know, something that that has been happening um, and even during the pandemic is, you know, all this um, uh, social injustice where people like are rallying or, or, or doing um, uh, protests, you know, and, and, and El Centro is probably like the heart of, you know, where people like to get together and do whether there's a rally or a protest. You know, how has it um, affected, you know, the way you guys, you as a city council, you know, 
um, decide whether this is something positive for the community or or not? Like, do you guys um kind of like yeah. because it's it's hard, you know, you you do, you do want to let people, you know, uh, protest or or do rallies because right, it's right. it's the right. But at the same yeah, time, it's, it's with, a very it's a very um it's a very difficult. You know, um, and I can give you a very politically correct answer, but I'll, I'll be very honest with you. And that is that uh, because we don't have full quarantine status right now, like there is no stay at home order, right? Meaning there is there is no rule right now that if you're caught outside your house without a legitimate document reason, you'll get fined, right? So people are still kind of allowed, we're encouraging you to stay home. So with that said, the city has stopped uh issuing permits for lawful assemblies meaning what you're typically supposed to do if you're going to have a rally and all that you're supposed to inform the city file for a permit and all that kind of stuff we have not uh, issued any of those during the pandemic so all of these um assemblies have been done uh on the responsibility of the organizing folks and and all the only thing that we've decided to do is not necessarily enforce like arrests or citations fees and all that kind of stuff because we know that you're exercising your free right and should we because there's no full-blown quarantine status we cannot prevent you from doing your first amendment right uh, without facing litigation Right. So it's really one of those things of like, as long as you guys are safe, we're not saying you can do it, but we're also not going to break it up. Um, and it's a very fine line. Right. Because uh, obviously, should some stuff go wrong, meaning a fight break out, so, something like that, then yes, we, we have every right to, to do it. And I could be wrong. But as far as I know, based on my briefings, all of the, uh, the rallies that have taken place, at least here in El Central, I think I attended two. Uh, people have all respected some social distancing uh, from what I saw. They were wearing masks. And if you if you notice the trend, there was never any spike in, in relations to those rallies. Uh, there's no conclusive um, or, or, you know, you couldn't point to that. Where we did see a, a, a direct correlation was on social holidays. So Mother's Day was huge. Fourth uh, of July was huge. Um, so all these major holidays, those were when we started seeing spikes. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's one of the biggest reasons why you know people are worried now because we have Thanksgiving and then Christmas. You know all these yeah. holidays that we normally um, celebrate together as a family with big groups. Um, right. Is is a city you know enforcing any restrictions in, in terms of that? Uh, no, uh, but I'll be honest, I. Um, you know, in El Centro, we have a current council, and then we have a new council that will start next month sometime, right? I could tell you that in this council, uh, the the members generally, the, the majority of the members are not inclined to have that harsh restriction or, or that strict restriction. Uh, they, they don't want to, like at least three of them I, I haven't gotten the sense that they want to because I remember when I brought it up for Halloween, um, I brought it up to the mayor back in like August and I said, hey, we need to start thinking about Halloween, Thanksgiving and Christmas because this isn't going to go away anytime soon. Um, 
I had pushed for saying no trick or treating, we didn't take that approach as, as a, as a majority. Uh, but I will say I am, I'm very proud and, and I have to give a shout out to, to my neighbors and, and the majority of El Centro because many residents told me that no trick or treaters came to their house. Uh, it was very quiet and that was without having to tell people you can't do it. And so the fact that people did it on their own, I, I have to give them a round of applause for that. And I have to say, thank you that, you know, you don't have to wait until government tells you to do something um, because it's the right thing to do. You do it on your own. And that's great. When it comes to Thanksgiving, I don't know, but when it comes to Christmas, there's going to be a new council and, and I will have to, wait and see what what the new members there feel um but there's there's cdc guidelines or suggestions right dr fauci from uh, uh the the leading epidemiologist in, in the country has suggested to stay home uh you know avoid traveling especially out of state but stay within your region and i will tell you that i i take this for myself so for example my mom lives one street over and a block away from me. My younger sister lives in LA. My older sister lives in Colorado. My sister from LA was going to come down. And, and now I'm telling them probably not, right? Like at, at most, maybe my mom will, will be here at my house and then we'll Zoom with my sister and her husband. Um, but, but I am being mindful, right? Because if I'm going to tell people don't do this, the same thing goes with me and and it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think that's one of the biggest things, um, um, that I would, would ask from, you know, local leaders or leaders in general, like, you know, do as you say, not, you know, you know, yeah. lead by example, right? Practice what you preach. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, and that's one thing that, you know, um, regarding the vaccine, you know, I was going to ask you, do you feel that more local leaders, that are able and willing should kind of be part of the trial to kind of like show the people in the community that, you know, it's, if you're thinking about it, it's, it's a safe thing to do it, or it's something that you should consider. I, I would say not just to our leaders, to, to anyone, um, whether you, you are a leader or not by formality, uh, you know, just in general, anyone, if you find yourself in a circumstance where you're able to participate, and you want to participate, I would encourage you to do so. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do I coming from somebody that, that kind of was kind of like iffy about it. I feel that, um, you know, it's a good thing to do. Um, I, I think in the first couple of days I, I was, um, I don't know if you felt this, but in the first couple of days I was like, man, I have something in my body that kind of like not a lot of people have that's new and you know, all like, I don't know. I just kind of felt weird. Like I told my friends, Okay, some of the things that I thought about was either I turn into a superhero, or a or a villain, or or I got the placebo right. You know what's funny is so like during COVID, um, I'm I'm not around a whole lot of people. Nobody sees me or whatever. But I used to be just like, you know, slightly heavy or or slightly you know, um, not athletic, but a little bit heavier than that. But since then, I've gotten into a routine where. Uh, I do cardio, I do weights, I go for walks, I walk my dog and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of my friends haven't really seen me how, I, how I've how i been. 
and I've bulked up a little bit. I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I bulked up a little bit. So right after the vaccine, I take this picture, like I'm flexing, and I just said, hey, guys, there's something in this vaccine that turns you to Captain America. <laughs> and they were all like, what, what? And I was like, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I was like, if I grow another another eye or another f- a couple more fingers, you know, don't take it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I know. That's how I felt like I'll either turn into a superhero or a villain or or I got the placebo. Um, because, yeah, a lot of people don't really know that, you know, they ask me, oh, you took the shot. I'm like, yeah, but I don't know if I got, you know, water or saline or. or yeah, that. yeah. But uh, no, I mean, it's it's a it's one of those things. But, you know, uh, something that the doctor did tell me uh, that I think it, it merits saying is that he told me, I really hope you got the real stuff, he says, because by the time this is uh, produced right in, in mass quantities there is a priority list there is a list of who's going to get it first and so our first responders our emergency you know our essential workers they're going to get it first and then it's going to be our our uh, most vulnerable population and then the general public so there's a tiered here and so he was saying this is your opportunity to potentially get the real stuff early on which means you'll be good um because in a normal circumstance you probably wouldn't get this until you know sometime next year and i have a general timeline in my mind it's it's really based on nothing but just kind of um there's there's been some mention at the national level of when all this stuff is kind of going to roll out and so i you know dr fauci mentioned april of next year that it would be producing an amount to where you can give it to to essential workers and all that kind of stuff so that tells me maybe june july august september that's more or less those months where by next summer where the general public will be able to get it right like where everyone so i'm really hoping again based on nothing just my my own personal timeline of of of, um idealism that by this time next year a significant majority of the population should be vaccinated, especially those who want it would have had access to it. Yeah. Basically. And are you afraid of, you know, cause even like I said, like the flu shot, you know, I wasn't somebody that took the flu shot a lot. Um, mm-hmm. or I don't, I don't think I ever took the flu shot. Are you afraid that a lot of people are going to go that route where like, Oh no, you know, I'm not going to take it. I don't, I mean, not saying, um, anti-vaxxers, but you know, that, people in general like aren't uh um they don't feel safe with with the vaccine do you feel that yeah no absolutely um and you know i i remember having this conversation so um an ex-girlfriend of mine was very adamant very adamant and and i told this to the doctor very adamant about never ever no matter what version 1.0 2.0 5.0 of the vaccine she would never uh take it nor she would ever give it to her kids and the doctor said, "Why? Well, I hope, I, I hope uh, the vaccine wasn't the reason why you guys broke up." I'm like, "No, no, no." <laughs> it was like other stuff, right? I'm like, "It just happened to be that that was a conversation." So, she's definitely one, and uh, uh, that I know that there's nothing I could say or do to change her mind. Uh, so, yes, people like that do exist. Uh, unfortunately, like many things, like uh, for example, hepatitis, there are going to be requirements in order to protect everyone, you know, I, w- I would imagine that sometime next year, 
the county office of education is going to have to make a decision or even the state of California to say that if you want your child back in the classroom, they're going to have to be vaccinated. If you, you know, want to go back to work and you're working for a public entity like IID, the county, the city, whatever, you have to be vaccinated and whether or not that will be something that we can enforce uh, in order to require more and more people. But there certainly will be a sprinkle of people out there that will just refuse and, and there's nothing, there's no enganche, right? And to, to force them to do it because of, of what they do for a living or what they believe in. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, because yeah, I was listening to, it was an interview on 60 minutes and it was a, a general that's being in charge of uh, the, the distribution of, you know, the vaccine mm-hmm. and stuff. And he was like, yeah, like my biggest worry is people not taking this vaccine that we're producing for the safety of everybody. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's I mean, I, yeah. And, and the reason why it's, it's a, a scary thought is because um, they will, they could potentially be carriers and, and they will, there will be the, the conduits by which it will go from you to me or something like that. Whereas if we're both vaccinated, then theoretically we should be fine. Um, and, uh, but, you know, say for example, uh, an older person couldn't get it yet. Right. And, and they were scheduled to get their vaccine sometime. And, and in between that week that they had to wait, they were exposed to this person. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I think about like the chicken pox, like for example, you know, I hear, right. I don't have kids yet, but I hear that parents will expose their children to chicken pox because you know, to get it out of the way, you know, get it, build the antibodies and you're fine. But that it's deadly for an adult to get it, mm. right? It can cause significant damage. So then I think about this virus, the rate of recovery for kids, for young adults in their 20s, maybe even 30s is high. But the rate of recovery for somebody 60 years old, 70 years old is very low. And so we have to be mindful about that too, uh, that the, the vaccine could be for you, but it also could be to kind of shield so that you don't get it and pass it on. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's one of the, um, you know, something that I always think about is, you know, how many people um, lost their parents, their grandparents. And I think the, the saddest thing about it is that, you know, they, they went to the hospital and obviously you couldn't go visit them because, you know, they weren't allowing people to, to go visit them. Right. So they, they died alone, you know? And, you know, I think my, my dad is, uh, he's 73. I think he turned 73. Yeah. And so he's a high risk. So like, that's something that I'm, it's always in the back of my mind where like, you know, if I get affected and I give it to him or so it's like, you know, that alone is like the biggest, one of the biggest reasons why I kind of like decided to, you know, go and go be part of this because, yeah, I mean, like, I, I mean, it, it's it's sad thinking about it, about people who went through that. And I don't want to go through it. So, like, you know, if yeah. I could do a little bit of be a part of something like this, you know, well, why not? Yeah, no, in two different occasions, um, I was I, I went with uh, uh, Councilman Edgar Garcia from uh, one of my colleagues on council and we toured uh, the intensive care unit. And it was sad, very sad. You, you see the desperation of 
you know, you see senoras, senores, and, and I saw the people that were in the ICUs and you just think like, that could be my tío, that could be my dad, that could be my grandma. And because of the, the level of infectiousness, uh, they really don't have anybody in there. I mean, they have no one in the room and the doctors that go in there, they have these full suit getups. So you can imagine as much as for, for the parents that are out there that understand the importance of touch to a child, to a baby, where you give them a kiss, you hug them, you hold their hand and all that stuff. I don't think really that goes away. We just, as we get older, we're able to deal with the lack of that as adults, right? We have a little bit more discipline in that sense. But when you think about the long period of time, two weeks where there is no physical contact, there is no um, like conversation to be had, you're stuck there. Um, it, it's uh, it's very sad. And uh, the, the second time that I went, I was joined with Congressman Juan Vargas and we toured it again. Uh, it, it's, uh, it, I think in a way, if I, think about it a little bit more, that probably played a role into why I wanted to participate in the trial. Because if if our participation could make it someday sooner that fewer people end up there or that no more people end up there, I, I think we owe it to ourselves. You know, we owe it to the community to do our part so that fewer and fewer people end up like that. Yeah. Because I... I I, I don't know how the medical folks do it. Maybe it's part of the training, but I really honestly think that the majority of people in our community uh, w- would not be okay uh, for a while after seeing what I saw and how the conditions of the people that are at the hospital. Yeah. I mean, and you see videos of, you know, nurses and doctors are breaking down after, you know, there are shifts and, and COVID um, ICU and all these things that, that they deal yeah. with, with during COVID. And, and yeah, I can, I can only imagine, I mean, it's it's and i think the 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 craziest thing is like you would see um people like record the outside of the hospital like saying like oh nothing's happening look it's dead it's dead like covid's not real like i was was like well you're filming the outside of the hospital not the inside like you know yeah (laughs) very very little happens outside um not not inside uh uh, so for example at ecrmc el central regional medical center uh dr edward i have to say um I'm so happy that someone with uh, medical training is is at the helm of the hospital to make decisions. And so, you know, because of his military training, he was able to prepare early on, even before I knew what he was doing, or or even let's assume I would have said, hey, how come we don't do that? He was already doing it. And it's all his military training coming into play. So he has... Um, a tent outside of the emergency room and those that's the intake for anybody who assumes that they are COVID positive so that he's able to perform the tests. right? Staff is able to perform the tests and, and intake them, get their information, but separate them from the general population within the hospital, right? And, and still be able to provide them with air AC. It's, it's more of a filtered, circulation of air in there because should they be exposed right then the virus is obviously really present so he thought about all this stuff and and so uh, we were prepared for a lot beyond what people thought that we were and we really were um but but even with all the preparation in the world there's there's always a limit and 
because we had so many people that actually ended up being at the hospital, we reached that limit, unfortunately, during the last few months. And that's when we needed to start sending folks to other hospitals and other areas. And then we even had uh, an agreement with the state of California, and I believe with the federal government to provide some space at, uh, at the gym at IBC. Yeah, I think my brother-in-law was there um, a couple of days. Oh, wow. Because uh-huh. um, he was he was um, bad enough for, for the first day that he was he, they had him at, at, at the hospital. And then once he got a little bit more stable, they took him to, to IBC. Yeah, and from my understanding, the, the space in IBC was a recovery because you remember you needed to at least be isolated for two weeks. You needed to pass a certain time. And for a lot of people, they don't have the luxury of being able to go home because if they went home, they would be exposing family members. And so that was a space specifically so that you could recover safely. And from there, you would be able to go home once you were cleared. Uh, but in this next wave that we're hitting right now, uh, I think we're going to definitely look into opening that again if we haven't already. But we're going to use it for more like intensive care unit type, which would require nurses and um, and special equipment in order to be utilized. And, and I think that in the last briefing that I got, the state of California is, is um, writing the check for us to be able to hire 50 additional uh, nurses, I think 40 are going to ECRMC and like 10 or 12, I think are going to pioneers. So, uh, you guys are expecting a, a big, big, big wave bigger than before the first one or. Oh yeah. Um, my assumption is, and, and it's kind of, I'm hoping people understand the gravity of, of what's coming because, uh, viruses are very seasonal in the sense that they thrive better in certain conditions. And so they clearly do not survive that well in the summer when the heat is a little hotter and and the sun is shining brighter. So there's a lot of UV rays that um, make it weaker, but it's it's at its strongest during the winter. And that's the time that we're coming towards. And so really when the, if you think about it, when it first hit us in March, we were in spring and it hit us pretty hard. Now we're heading towards winter where the temperatures are far less, you know, the, the weather is crazier, the wind blows harder, uh, and, and our immune systems are probably at its lowest. So I, I anticipate and every medical expert that I've talked to expects that, um, that this, during this time, during this, this uh, holiday season, January, February, is going to be the hardest. And if you look at the graph of, where we were in terms of cases, March, April, May, June, and then I think July and August was our worst. September, October, it dipped down. And now we are right now in November where we were in May earlier this year in terms of cases, in terms of the number of people in the hospitals, all that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well I hope I hope that uh, people, you know, do their part in terms of social distancing, wear their masks. Washing their we hands. Um, it's really, that. really important right now. Yep. It's really to, to what is it, to try to ask people to, to, to participate in that because it's, it's really like, you know, what we have gone through is just a fraction of what potentially we could, the numbers that we could hit in the next few months. And so 
we really, really need to ask people to please wash your hands, social distance, wear your mask so that we can, at, at, you know, make the effort to not have so many people pass away, to make the effort so that so many people do not end up in the hospital. Uh, because I would hate for your family to to be part of the list of the of 340 plus families and counting that have lost someone in the valley. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Tomas, thank you for for your time. We're almost at an hour. Um, anything else that any final thoughts that you would like to you know share with us? Just just two, and that is if you find yourself able and willing to participate in the vaccination trials at uh, El Centro Regional Medical Center, please uh, contact uh, the hospital, contact uh, uh, Dr. Tomachowski, and they are more than happy to to accept you and, and to uh, put you into the program. And number two, again, I, I can't stress this enough, and, and I, I, I'm asking, I'm begging for your listeners to please remember to wear a mask, to wash your hands, uh, to social distance at all possible and to please, please be safe uh, during the holidays that are coming up and, and try to avoid uh, mass uh, gatherings. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'll leave links to, because there's a website where you can go for the trial uh, vaccine for, for here in the, in the Valley. I'll leave a link to that website. Um, I think that's the easiest way. That's how I yeah. got in contact with them. You know, I filled up my information. They called me, they set up an appointment. You go and, I mean, it's, the first appointment is kind of lengthy because you're reading through the paperwork. That's right. Um, but <clears throat> I, f- I hear that the other ones, uh, the, the follow-up is in and out. Go get blood work. Correct. And, and, Correct. It uh, was probably maybe 10 minutes. I got there at like 8.15, 8.20, and I was out of there by 8.30. Mm. So, um, yeah, I'm like, like Tomas said, you know, I really, really encourage, you know, you guys to be part of this if, if you're willing and able um it's i don't know you feel you feel like you've been doing something you know for the community and and just for the country in general because we're all in this in in the situation together um but yeah i want to um thank you again uh for the time um thank you i appreciate it like i said um maybe you'll come back some other time and we'll talk you know politics or other things because before this we we were talking about you know other things besides covid um but i wanted to focus today on this because and like I said, we're, we're we have something in common. We were part of this um, was this trial. Um, right. But yeah, I want to thank everybody for listening or watching. Um, stay safe. Wear your face mask. Wash your hands and social distance. And uh, let's bring these numbers down. All right, guys. Exactly. See you guys in the next one. Peace. Peace.